what's going on with Wellington's water infrastructure? And I'm not the only person asking that question. Numerous problems with water and sewage. Collapsed sewer in the central city, water pipes are bursting. A wastewater tunnel that's at least 80 years old collapsed this morning during repair work in the CBD. Our only option is to discharge to the harbour, which is um, the last thing we want to do. Oriental Bay is such a beautiful place for Wellington and it's a big asset, so yeah, it's a shame. I feel grossed out. It's pretty bad. It's not just Wellington. Crumbling wastewater infrastructure is a massive headache for many councils across New Zealand. Upgrades are desperately needed, but they come at a steep cost. Reports show that the Manawatu and Wanganui region will have to pay up to $500 million. Auckland alone is spending $1.2 billion on just one pipe, the central interceptor. There's a big challenge in terms of affordability, particularly for our smaller councils. Who's going to pay? How we can deliver it? Cost has always been an issue, uh, but the cost of doing nothing I think is far greater. And we've already seen what the cost of doing nothing looks like. In Wellington, sewage has already hit the harbour. Worse still, millions of dollars are going down the drain to truck out the waste while the pipes are being fixed. For the capital, though, all of this is playing out with a pandemic, a lockdown and fighting councillors on Zoom meetings. Sorry, I have a point, I have a point of order. Okay. Yeah, can I, just, I have worked with businesses, Diane. I have yeah. worked with them. Councillor Poon. Kia ora, I'm Jessie Chang, and today on The Detail, Wellington's wastewater nightmare and the embarrassing sideshow of a divided council. The one thing that I suppose took people by surprise or caught them off guard uh, was our water issues. And really, it shouldn't have come as a surprise to anybody because they've been so underinvested in for so long and and they are ageing. That's Georgina Campbell, a reporter covering Wellington issues for the New Zealand Herald. She says it all blew up in December last year. This was when a um, tunnel collapsed underneath the streets in the CBD, sending thousands of litres of wastewater into the harbour. In January, just a few weeks later, we had two sludge pipes underneath Mount Albert, which failed. And uh, that sparked this sort of infamous sludge trucking operation. It's a 24-7 operation. It costs $650,000 a week. Um, And basically, yeah, it's it's a huge amount of money. It's millions of dollars. And this is also that this sludge doesn't end up in the Cook Strait. So the trucks are doing the work of the pipes effectively. Um, And I think This particular failure of these sludge pipes remains the most relevant thing today because residents are dealing with the stench. It's so expensive. Um, We've had to get experts in from Germany to oversee the work because it's so complicated. Um, These experts had to um, secure a special exemption to actually enter the country. They self-isolated in Auckland for two weeks before driving down to Wellington to do this work. But it's interesting, I I wrote a story about the cost of all of this, um, these massive projects going on, and at the moment it's about $25 million, and that number is expected to increase um, even more. So it's a lot of money dealing with these issues. So is there any timeline on when this can all get fixed? In terms of the recent failures, 
work is underway on all of the projects. In the case of Willis Street, um, that, that new pipeline that has been trenched, that's all done now. I think there's a much bigger question here, and that's, you know, how do we deal with this ageing infrastructure? Andy Foster set up a mayoral task force to look into this. Um, Wellington Water really wants to increase uh, the amount of the network it is looking at and checking to make sure it stays on top of any, any problems. Even in the beginning, you said it's interesting that some people have acted like this is such a big surprise when everyone should have seen this coming. Yeah, I think there's um, quite a few parallels to be drawn between this issue with our water infrastructure and the bus catastrophe. That's right, the bus catastrophe, when the bus system was controversially overhauled. When we spoke to Georgina Campbell just seven months ago, that was one of the biggest gripes for the capital. Commuters were grappling with late buses and overcrowding. Sometimes they simply just didn't show up. Georgina says that's mostly been resolved now. But I think people do take these things for granted, um, that they can, you know, go to the bus stop and a bus will arrive and take them to work on time, that they can turn on their tap and, and clean water will come out of it. And I think this is why people should take more of an interest in local government, because it's local government that is responsible for these things. And what's the relationship been like between Wellington City Council and Wellington Water? Um, When this all started, there wasn't a very good understanding about how our water infrastructure is managed and who does what. So Wellington City Council owns the water infrastructure in the city. Um, And basically they give money to Wellington Water to look after the infrastructure and provide water services. Greater Wellington Regional Council is is the regulator. So for instance, uh, when that tunnel collapsed and wastewater was discharged into the harbour, that's when the Greater Wellington Regional Council steps in. So while Wellington Water, I suppose, was on the the front line um, answering questions about why we had tunnels collapsing and sludge pipes failing, at the end of the day, uh, Wellington City Council controls the money. So, Mm. you know, I think the the buck, you know, it actually does stop with them. And when we talk about an underinvestment in water infrastructure, it's councillors, it's elected members who have been deciding how much money to give Wellington water. The second wrecking ball to hit Wellington City Council was, of course, COVID-19. Councils everywhere are under pressure to reduce rates as ratepayers lose their jobs and businesses. Georgina Campbell says the council has been quick to respond. They are looking at residential and commercial rates deferments. Um, A proposed rates increase of more than 9% has been slashed. Um, There's a range of proposed fee refunds and freezes um, for the likes of liquor fees, pool and gym fees. And the council chief executive, Barbara McKero, is sort of going through the books with a fine-tooth comb looking for any savings. So... The revised rates increases that are being put out for consultation are 5.07%, which is the preferred option, but there's also Mm. another option of um, 2.1%. So I think their response to COVID-19 has been good and, and they've been quick 
to sort of um, put some proposals out there um, for people to consider. I mean, essentially, they've put together an, an emergency budget for their annual plan. All these issues are playing out amongst councillors who are at loggerheads. It's been a tempestuous first four months of the year for the City Council, often sparked by political differences between councillors. The City Council is now considering bringing in a facilitator to help mediate issues around the table and to help bridge the political divide. On Wellington City Council, there is a very strong majority of councillors who are politically aligned with the left. Um, You know, it just so happens that the mayor is um, more conservative. I guess there have been some um, significant votes where we've seen Andy Foster at odds with the majority of of his councillors. And the first time that I really noticed this was with the water issues. So um, Andy Foster felt quite absent um, for the first few weeks of these these water problems, Um, but he did sort of kick into gear and announced a mayoral task force. And obviously that had to go um, before councillors in a meeting to be um, all signed off. We saw the left totally move against him and completely change the membership of his own mayoral task force. And at the time, I thought, wow, you know, that's really significant. Um, And then we also saw the same thing happen more recently with this vote over free parking. Here's what happened. About two months ago, councillors decided to make parking free for Wellingtonians in the CBD because of COVID-19. But in April, on a Zoom council meeting, they publicly debated and voted on whether to go back to charging users for Level 3. Many were in favour. They wanted to use the money from the car parks to put into a community grant. But Mayor Andy Foster was not on board. The whole idea of doing this was to try and encourage people to come into the city when there was very little to draw them in or when businesses and when activity was really struggling. Now, clearly, when you're in a situation where we're at level three, um, business will not be merely struggling. Most of it won't be happening at all because most of it will not be allowed to happen. Uh, And that's why I think it's too early. In the end, the mayor was outvoted 10 to 5. You know, thinking back to what happened with the water vote, this wasn't a rare defeat um, as characterised by some, but rather more of the same. So do you feel like there is this group of councillors who are just focused on shooting down Andy Foster's ideas? No, I don't think that. We shouldn't mistake this um, clashing for pettiness. Um, At the end of the day, I think that every politician around that council table has their heart in the right place. I think it's also really important to point out that it's not like these clashes have ground the work of council to a halt. You know, these councils aren't stopping progress. They're just kind of putting their stamp on things. I mean, the the council is still functioning. It's certainly divided, but I I don't think it, you know, like it hasn't stopped working. Decisions are still being made. I mean, there certainly is a problem with the division in terms of um, how it's playing out in in such a public setting. Uh, Pori Ruramia and Nita Baker spoke to me and said, you know, 
if a councillor doesn't agree with something or has a problem with something, I would expect the councillor to come to me and we could work out a compromise and then, I guess, present more of a united front at council meetings. And I don't think, or there doesn't seem to be a lot of that happening at Wellington City Council. Um, you know, so I think that the missing piece here is, again, to do with leadership. You know, Andy Foster needs to find the common ground among his councillors. You know, it just doesn't look great when things haven't been worked out by the time you get to a council meeting and um, Andy Foster is just um, voted down. This is particularly problematic um, in COVID-19 when the public is sort of really expecting leadership and unity and certainty because it's such an uncertain time. And so I think the, the problems of a divided council have sort of been elevated by the climate that, that we're um, living in. It doesn't help that Wellington City Councillors are having their own squabbles. Have a listen to this council meeting on Zoom. Councillor Tamitha Paul brings up business-related amendments to council plans, which Councillor Diane Calvert responds to like this. Councillor Paul's never been in business. He's never worked with the businesses of the city. That doesn't sit well with Paul. Sorry, I have a point. I have a point of order. Okay. Yeah, that, yeah, can I, just, I have worked with businesses, Diane. I have worked with them. Councillor Paul. I've worked with Councillor Paul. Sorry, Councillor Paul. Tragically, that is not a point of order. It has to be misrepresented. That's not true. That's not true. Sadly, sadly, unfortunately, our standing orders do not prevent people telling, um, saying things which are not true. Then other councillors jump in as well. Misrepresentation, that is a a point of order. So so misrepresentation, and I did check that today with officers, misrepresentation of something said in the meeting is a point of order. That's a misrepresentation of of me, Andy. Look, I I understand what you're saying. I sympathise with what you're saying, but that doesn't make it a point of order. You could could say it's offensive if you wanted to. Can I do And then I would have to rule. Can I do offensive, please, Mayor Foster? Because actually I don't think it's helpful. That is a point of order. It is not helpful to be complaining. We're talking about other people's experience. We don't know actually what everyone has done. And thank um, you. I take the point of what um, Councillor Calvert. Um, if you can just uh, would you like me to withdraw that comment? Would that make it a bit easier? Oh, let, okay, let's withdraw. Make it a bit more okay. Right, okay. Sure. Councillor Paul then goes on Facebook and complains about Councillor Calvert publicly bullying her. To which Calvert fires back with a formal complaint about the post. You know, you've sort of got that. Um, as, as a sideshow uh, playing out. Um, I don't think the public particularly want to see that stuff going on when there's such big issues for the council to be grappling with. And, you know, and of course, Andy Foster has called in a facilitator to sort of help him deal with this. So, you know, Andy Foster certainly, I think, has signalled that there are you know, problems between the councillors that need to be ironed out. And then on top of all that, a mayor in the neighbouring town of Carpety has publicly told off the council for fighting. Wellington City Council is the economic and cultural engine room for the region, so they just need to get their act together, put aside differences. Yeah, um, that was an interesting play from um, Mayor Kay Gurunathan. And, and, you know, he got a front page out of that. But I can certainly understand for councils across the region, you know, Wellington City is seen as, you know, the hub, the big engine. Um, And certainly from an outsider's perspective, 
those mayors and, and councillors seem to be feeling a little bit uneasy about, um, you know, these sideshows and squabbling and the, the commentary about the council division when, you know, I think the region to navigate through COVID-19 really needs to work together. And if the, the big hub of that region are sort of fighting among, amongst themselves, um, yeah, it's, it's not a good look. When we spoke to you last year, just after Andy Foster's election, you know, you said that people had voted for, not necessarily for Andy Foster, but they voted for change because they wanted progress. Why did they want change and do you think they've got it? Yeah, I think this is actually one of the problems that Andy Foster has, is that in my opinion, he wasn't elected so much on his um, policies, but rather because he wasn't Justin Lester. Wellington has sort of had years of just progress being stalled, you know. Although Let's Get Wellington Moving was announced in Justin Lester's term, I, I think that the general public was just still unsatisfied and said, no, we're going to try someone else. It's sort of hard to say whether or not Wellingtonians are are getting the change that they wanted because, you know, I I suppose um, Andy Foster hasn't really had a a fair crack because of COVID-19. Yeah. But I think, you know, um, having a divided council seem to be squabbling among themselves is certainly not the change that they wanted either. So how would you in your opinion, rate Andy Foster's terms so far as mayor? I think Andy Foster is struggling. But, you know, um, Sue Wells, this facilitator, has come in. He's also got a um, new chief of staff coming in. And I understand that that chief of staff has um, someone in mind to be his um, media advisor. Maybe this is an opportunity for him to sort of turn a new leaf, if you like, you know, to be fair to Andy, um, the problems with the, the water having those massive failures so close together and now COVID-19, you know, that's a test of anybody's leadership. But, you know, I think there, there is work to do. And what does this do for public confidence? Well, I know that uh, Councillor Nicola Young, for example, um, is very concerned that the council is not delivering for Wellingtonians as it should because of this division. And I think absolutely it shakes the public's confidence in in your ability to get things done at such a critical time. I don't think it helps Andy Foster that his relationship with the media has become so strained. And also, you know, he doesn't have a media advisor at the moment. So, and he's obviously very busy. So it's sort of difficult to get comment for stories, for example, um, and for him to control the narrative of those stories, which sort of doesn't help his case in the eye of the public. Um, but yeah, I think absolutely the council and Andy Foster has some confidence building to do um, with, with Wellingtonians over the next few months. Meanwhile, the sludge trucking operation continues and has cost $11 million so far. Repair work on the sludge pipes themselves is ongoing. That's it for today. I'm Jessie Chang. The detail is brought to you by newsroom.co.nz and made possible by RNZ and NZ On Air. 
You can get the detail downloaded free to your mobile phone every weekday from any podcast platform. But if you're using Apple, give us a rating so other people can find us too. This episode was engineered by Jeremy Ansell and produced by Alexia Russell and Sharon Brick-Halley. And thanks to Georgina Campbell from the New Zealand Herald. Matewa. 